please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Hey, this is Greg McIntyre here for the Elder Law Report. And it's a beautiful, beautiful Friday morning coming to you every week on Facebook Live at 10 a.m. on Fridays. Every Friday, 10 a.m., we try to bring you on the Elder Law Report unplugged, valuable information for your life that can help you navigate the legal maze of aging in America. Our slogan at McIntyre Elder Law is helping seniors protect their assets and legacies. And that's what we're committed to. So every week I have to take time out to study for these and, and uh, prepare new material. And I have a lot of help from staff members here, Taylor in particular. Um, last week we did a piece on TAC that has gotten thousands of views and hopefully will bring awareness to the community that we are running a public transportation system here as, along with a um, a system that caters to disabled and seniors uh, to get them from to medical appointments from one place to another. Um, hopefully that's helped raise awareness to that. So that's part of what we're doing is raising awareness for community um, resources. Another is talking about what we do, which is helping seniors protect their assets and legacies. And today our topic is um, what is the most important document What's the most important document that you could have, legal document, foundational legal document while you're alive, okay? Um, also wanted to thank, I have a couple of the books that I've written here in front of me. We had a launch party for Hometown Heroes yesterday, and you can get this book on Amazon or Kindle or iTunes, and you can also get this book on our website at mcelderlaw.com slash hometown heroes. And it has 23 individual veteran stories um, that are very interesting. And thanks to all the veterans that set for interviews for the stories in this book. It also has a chapter on veterans benefits. So veterans aid and attendance pension benefits, what it is, how to qualify, can be found in this book. I enjoyed writing it. So yesterday I held a launch party and we had, you know, probably 80 to 100 people come through between four and seven, sit down, break bread with us, eat hot dogs and hamburgers. And we were able to give them a gift bag and with the book, a signed copy of the book and just had a really good time at the hometown heroes launch party yesterday. So that was a lot of fun. If you'd like to, to read that book, please give us a call at the office, go to the website, or go to Amazon and order. Amazon Prime will be in your house, what, in a day or two, right? Free shipping. So, so uh, hometown heroes. Our subject of foundational planning today, I wanted to explore what's the most important document you could have. If you just had to pick one, 
which is an odd concept, but because I would recommend for legal advice, okay? You know, I've got all these bells and whistles going off in my head because I'm like, yeah, I don't want people, I, I, I absolutely do not want people to think that I'm telling them to get one document and not others. That's not what I'm going to do today. But we're going to discuss the utility of each document and which one that I think, in my experience, is most important for you to have while you're alive. Foundational documents, there are four, in my opinion. General durable power of attorney, health care power of attorney, living will, and will. Let's briefly talk about what each one of those are. A general durable power of attorney is a document that allows someone else to function as you during your life to make legal and financial decisions. So you're literally handing them the keys to the kingdom. You're giving them your, the ability to transfer your house or protect your house with a protective deed like a life estate deed or a ladybird deed, or tenants in common deed, joint tenants with rights to survivorship, to, to, to engage in deed planning, or transfer, buy, sell real property for you, real estate, or ability to operate your bank account and your investment accounts and retirement accounts as if they were you. A husband or wife cannot operate, I don't care if they have joint bank accounts, they obviously can't operate each other's separate bank accounts. But if you have, let's say, a, an IRA, and I hear wives or husbands say, well, that's okay. I'm beneficiary on that. I can, get, I can get into that. Think about that. A beneficiary, for instance, on a life insurance policy. I may have one of my children as a beneficiary on a life insurance policy. However... They have absolutely zero access to the, uh, the policy itself. I'm the policy owner. They can't call up and change the policy or change the beneficiary. They can't call up and do anything with my policy. Same thing with an IRA, which stands for what? Individual Retirement Account. By definition, even by name, it is an individual retirement account, not a joint retirement account. So if you have an IRA, 401k, qualified annuity, those specifically belong to one person. So the other person has no rights to operate that at all. And we'll get into why that's important. Now, a general durable power of attorney, when someone passes away, it ceases to exist when the principal that created it passes away. So you can't go to the bank and still operate the bank account or the retirement accounts or do anything on any accounts after someone passes away. What document picks up then? You probably already know this, that would be the will. So the will would name an executor. Hopefully it would name more than one, not necessarily as co-executors, but someone that if the first person, let's say I wanted my wife to handle it, and heaven forbid she was not in shape to do that for any reason or not here or passed on, and she couldn't handle it, then I would have another trusted individual, perhaps my son, my oldest son, to come in and be my executor. And I might have a third. 
it's important, wouldn't you say, to have subs to come in off the bench in case a player gets hurt or fouls out. We don't want the document, the will, to be relevant at that point. We don't want a power of attorney to be relevant at that point. You want subs to come in. You want those documents to last for the rest of your life. So if you have a power of attorney, for instance, that has your husband, your wife, on there as the attorney in fact, and you're like, hey, I've already gotten that document. I'm good. Then you might want to rethink that because if it just has one person and that person's not available, that person's incompetent, incapacitated, or dead, then at that time, that document ceases to exist. It has no power. So you'd want to draft one that has subs. Some of these documents may seem simple on their face, but are not, and can be drafted a number of different ways. Just to touch on powers of attorney again, while I thought about them and went back to them, some powers of attorney would not let the attorney, in fact, the person that is operating the accounts for you, gift things to themselves or move money to themselves. That would really handcuff my wife from being able to activate a benefit for me. It would really prevent her from doing proper planning if I was incompetent and needed long-term care or incapacitated and needed long-term care. That would force her to spend down all my money, maybe, just, just, just on that care. And I might have you know, saved some of that retirement for her and for the kids. And so she could still carry on. So you, got, you, got, you have to be conscious of how you can draft these documents and, and be informed of the power they have and what you really have. Um, it's important to do that, which could entail meeting with an estate planning or elder law attorney to review the documents that you currently have, the foundational documents, to see if they are in fact exactly what you want and exactly what you need. In addition, just, well, going back to wills, so continuing on with wills, you want to have those subs for the executor too, so that the person you trust or a person you trust is going to be able to come in and execute the will under the watchful eye of the clerk of court or the court, okay? Um, they're going to... The, the courts are going to make sure that the executor carries out your wishes. There's a lot of distrust there in the community. I think most of it's unfounded. As long as you have an executor that's the right person, and then the court's going to make sure that the money is distributed, that your property is distributed, how you list in the will. There's a danger in wills sometimes. I mean, you can put trust in wills. You can, you can program a will to do basically anything. But wills only have power when someone passes away. To access accounts, one has to probate the will and apply for letters of probate to be named the executor, be qualified as the executor. And there is a danger sometimes in wills in that people rely on them to pass property and if they need long-term care, that could necessitate Medicaid coming in and paying for that if they don't have enough money to do that for a long enough time. In that case, um, 
liens, say generated with the state of North Carolina, Medicaid liens would attach during the probate process and force the sale of say a home that was passing through the will. That's how many people lose their hard earned money and property. Lady Bird deeds can be a big cure for that. Okay, can be a great fix and tool for that job. So call me, talk to me if you need to talk about a Lady Bird deed. 704-259-7040 or go online and fill out the form. Shoot us a quick message at mcelderlaw.com. But a, that, a Lady Bird deed is not what I would consider a foundational document. Wills have functioned great to pass property for hundreds of years, if not thousands. However, there are problems just like there are with anything. Healthcare power of attorney, that is another foundational document. We're on number three. So healthcare power of attorney. Um, we want a healthcare power of attorney that clearly has a HIPAA designation in there or release that qualifies you know, or, or complies with HIPAA law that allows for the person that you appoint to handle your health care issues. I think I started to say hair care issues. So health care issues, the person you appoint, you want them to be able to um, pull your medical records if they need to or transfer them from one place to another. You want them to have the power to do anything you can do regarding health care matters. You also want them to be able to make life or death decisions for you, long-term care decisions for you, pain management decisions for you. I would suggest having them go, you know, having subs to come in, same with the general durable power of attorney, and the, you know, with a sub and same with the will with executors, having subs to come in in case the primary person you appoint can't do it for any reason. So that you, those documents continue to be someone you want to make your health care decisions. Why should you have a health care power? Well, I call that person, the attorney in fact there, the quarterback. I want someone who can huddle up with the family and run in the plays to the doctor and the nurses and the staff in the administration of a hospital or a care facility or, or a doctor's office so that there's not multiple voices saying different things to these healthcare providers. Don't take my word for it. If you want to know how powerful a healthcare power of attorney is, talk to a healthcare provider. It's much easier for them to do their job in a consistent manner and have continuity of care if they have a single directed voice that's consistent also instead of having to choose between a brother and a sister or a son and a daughter. I mean, which one do you listen to? The one you like the most? I don't know. What if they say two totally opposite things? The person that suffers is you. The person that doesn't need to suffer. The person that needs quick, consistent health care. And maybe in an emergency situation or consistent long-term care. So, health care powers of attorney are very important. Here's where a healthcare power of attorney also is extremely important and needs to communicate. 
A living will, for instance, more aptly called, which is a fourth foundational document, Declaration for a Desire for a Natural Death, should communicate with the healthcare power of attorney document. So you have two documents, the healthcare power of attorney and the living will or declaration for a desire for a natural death. The healthcare power of attorney should clearly state that if there's a conflict between what your living will says and what the attorney in fact designated, the person designated to handle your healthcare says, that that person, and this, I, I strongly believe this, that person should be able to override or win that dispute. That the human element is left in life and death decisions. So it needs to be able to say that and communicate there so there's not any conflict. It avoids conflict. Or situations where you may be not treated successfully or correctly or left to suffer in limbo because of documents that don't speak to each other. And that's a horrible, horrific thing that we want to avoid. So, the Declaration for Desire for a Natural Death is extremely important as well. I know that there are some fill-in-the-blank healthcare powers of attorney and living wills out there. I don't like them because I think when you're appointing someone to manage your life and death decisions, that you should take the time to carefully draft that and not leave blanks open that can be checked or filled in by anyone. It could be the most important document you fill out in your entire life as a healthcare power of attorney and a living will. And don't leave it up to an ad-lib, fill-in-the-blank form that doesn't talk to each other. The living will and healthcare power of attorney, remember, need to communicate with each other. Need to say who wins in a, in a dispute. Fill in the blank documents would not do that for you. And the concerns, my concerns, don't stop there. There are many religions that have very, very specific guidance as to how to handle end-of-life events. And you don't want to run afoul or conflict with your religious preferences either. And a, a living will or declaration for desire for natural death can take into account those religious preferences. I'll give you an example. A Catholic or Catholic living will, I would write differently than a generic living will or declaration for a desire for natural death. Because I would want to make sure that the Eucharist was performed, that last rites, we would want to give that specific language. We also don't want to flirt with suicide. We don't want to get anywhere near that. We want to make it clear when to withhold life-saving means and why. So it's important to draft those individually. That's important for the individual and the individual's needs, taking into account the person they are, which is part, partly what they believe. Those things are extremely important. So while on their face, foundational work and documents may seem simple, they aren't. And there are many considerations. I see people all the time while they're alive 
or their loved ones while they're while the principal person is alive that has not created a general durable power of attorney or not created it correctly. So they can't even put in place ladybird deeds to protect the home and pass it on to their kids, even though their will says that's what they want to do. So while a will is extremely important if you pass away, and I would argue deed planning is equally or more important in some cases to protect the home, I'm going to call a general durable power of attorney as one of, if not the most important document you could have while you're alive. That's the winner to me. That's the obvious choice that if you just had to choose one, I would choose that one. Because that way, my wife or my oldest son in that order could perform financial duties that I needed to perform to save my hard-earned money and property for my family and activate a benefit for me. Without that power of attorney, there's really not a lot I can do aside from have them petition, or they can do, aside from petition the court for guardianship of me. And then it's very hard to save assets at that point. It's harder to save assets at that point. So, have your foundational planning in place. I would not suggest just picking one. I would suggest having your foundational planning in place, which opens the door to look at possible deed protection of property if that's needed. I'm Greg McIntyre, McIntyre Elder Law, helping seniors protect their assets and legacies. That's what we're committed to. That's all we do is estate planning and elder law. You can reach us online at mcelderlaw.com or you can reach us at the office by phone at 704-259-7040. We consider our region, Western North Carolina right now, but one day the state of North Carolina, if I do my job correctly, give us a call. We would be glad to take a look at your needs, your estate planning and elder law needs, and do a review of any foundational documents you might have. Have a great weekend. Life is busy, we all know. We put off planning till things get slow. Tomorrow's never promised today. Don't get too busy and let it all slip away. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Law. Planning or more complex We can help when you're perplexed If a loved one needs long-term care We can help avoid some of the scare Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law Estate planning benefits and even probate We take the planning piece off your plate If you or your spouse were in the military We can help with benefits for your family Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law 